It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Las Vegas. It is a Super Sunday night edition of Wave Sports. I am Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. We're going to be taking you early here. Tim's going to jump on very, very shortly. We have a ton to go over. Look, the NBA, we have a series lead, right? The Hawks, uh, they were had a, they had a valiant effort. I mean, that's what you could say. A valiant effort against the Jeez, Did you, anybody see those Milwaukee uniforms? They were gross. But the Milwaukee play it was pretty good. 113-102 win. We're going to get into game three. We'll break down what the rest of the series has moving forward. I told you guys I, I liked the Bucks last night, but I was a little cautious. And you know what? It was a game where you looked at the ebbs and flows, and, and the Hawks showed you something. But what does that mean moving forward? Young injured his right ankle, right, uh, in the third. That had something to do with it. But this is not the time of year where you make excuses. This is a time of year where a win is a win is a win. Yes, I'll keep saying that. The Bucks have a 2-1 advantage. They have home court. They've gotten that back because, remember, Atlanta stole one. And here we go, right? This is what we have moving forward. By the way, Young went down with 35 points. He looked good, okay? So here we go. We're going to talk about that. We're also absolutely going to get into Major League Baseball. I want to get into the conversation of the MVP race because it seems like people are giving the MVP to two players that I don't have on my card go winning it. They might be in the top two. They might be in the top three, but they're not number one. So we're going to get into a little MVP discussion. Of course, the Stanley Cup finals are tomorrow, and we've had a lot of reaction about our show last night. Okay? I have guys that I consider friends out there writing me and coming on to, onto Twitter. By the way, you guys want to hit me up on Twitter. It's at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports. You want to be part of the show, it's 876-1340, 876-1340. We do want to hear from you. Look, you guys vehemently disagree on, on a lot of aspects, and I got a lot of complimentary conversation as well about last night's show. So the Vegas Golden Knight fans and the Vegas fan base that are listening to our show, you guys are split. You're split. But I want to give you a voice. We don't hide from critics. We don't uh, shy away from people that say, you know what, uh, we don't agree with that take. We're going to give you center stage, center stage to be a part of the show. So make sure you guys jump on board and continue to voice your opinion. We will get into that. We also have a, a couple of coaching things going around. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about coaching if we have time. And again, anything that you guys want, we'll move it around and kind of figure out where are we going to go in this direction. But we have to start it out with game three. You know, before the series began, and really before – I would say the playoffs began. I understood that the Bucks were a flawed team, but the Bucks were also a flawed team that I continued to back, and I continued to back, and I continued to back, and I backed the flawed team because I think that they know that they're flawed. And, and let me get into that. The Bucks have had moments here, 
specifically against the Nets, sure. Atlanta in game one. They've had moments where this team looks human. This team has holes. And the reactionary business that we're in, and sports talk is a reactionary business, but it's also a reactionary world that we're in now. And the world that we're in is social media, is instant gratification, instant texting. You know, not to be uh, the old man here, but I-, I can play that role. You know, you had to wait until the next morning to see a box score. You had to uh, wait until the next day at school to talk to your friends and, and let the loss or the win or whatever it might be kind of have a couple hours to digest. Now, as the shot is going up, people are tweeting, people are texting, people are going on TikTok, people are, going, people are doing everything. It's instant gratification. So the Milwaukee Bucks, to me, were a team that, they were a flawed team, but that was okay. We all want our champions to be perfect. We all want, you know, well, that perfect story. Oh, these guys don't lose. Oh, not only do they not lose, they don't make mistakes. I mean, that, that's what it is. The Tampa Bay Bucks won in the NFL in a year where in about week four or five, people were saying, you know what, Tom Brady, what did he do? Why did he go to Tampa? What's going on? This is a mess. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup last year after – People looked at them and said, you know what? Uh, same thing as, as the year before. They're just not going to be that good. Uh, that's just not going to be it. And they wound up being champions. And they wound up being champions. And the L.A. Dodgers, for years, were never going to be it, never going to be it. And then last year, started to creep into people's heads. I don't know if they have enough. I don't know if they have enough this year. Not sure. And lo and behold, the Dodgers won. So whether you doubted teams or not, they all became champions. But they didn't get there by going undefeated. Right? We haven't had an undefeated team since the 72 Dolphins. So they, they have flaws, and we jump on teams and go crazy about teams that have these flaws while they're on their way for a championship. And that, that's the Milwaukee Bucks to me. The Bucks were a team that had flaws. I just thought they had less flaws than everybody else. And I think that tonight was kind of the perfect storm for them. Uh, this series, kind of the perfect storm when you're talking about a team with flaws, but a team that can get by despite those flaws. The Bucks tonight let Atlanta kind of back into this. Okay? The Bucks were losing in the first period. Then they took over, and at the half, you know, we had a game. At the half, we had a game. Came out of the locker room, Bucks are down a little bit. With about seven minutes to go, the Bucks were losing this game, and Trey Young wasn't doing ridiculous, crazy Trey Young things. But you know what? I had 35 before the fourth quarter, so maybe he would have had one of those ridiculous nights. And if you listen to me on this station, if you listen to me on the 100 stations that I have across America, I've continued to say, you just can't handicap for a guy that goes off for 50 points. And that's what they need, meaning the Hawks, to win. Game one, they got a near 50, and they won with Trey Young, 48 from Trey Young. Maybe he would have got there tonight. And if he would have gotten to 50, if he would have put up a 12 to 15-point fourth quarter, which is likely that he could have, we would have a different conversation. But the Bucks got by. Now, was it a perfect game? No, absolutely not. Right? They struggled. But it's a road win to take back home court and they did it the way that we've been saying they were going to do it. 
by having the flaws and understanding what they are. And not only are the Bucks the flawed team that understands who they are, their star player, Giannis, is a flawed player who understands who he is. Giannis is a former MVP. Giannis was going to be the face of, of the league a year or two ago, right? Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. And now Giannis has to be honest with himself and say, you know, I'm limited. I'm a limited player, but that doesn't mean that I'm a less of an impact player. I can't count on my three-point shooting. I can't count on my mid-range jumper right now. It's just, it's avoided me, and it's avoided him for, for much of the year. I can't even count on my free-throw shooting at times this year. Giannis struggled with that. He struggled with that at times this postseason. But it looks like him and the team has come to a consensus of, all right, Giannis, you're flawed. You're not going to be perfect. Let's, let's go with what works. And if you watch the shot chart, and they put up the shot chart uh, with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Giannis's inside game dominated the way that we said last night it would. Last night we talked about the game. I said Giannis inside can't be stopped. Now, you can stop Giannis from taking the three. You can dare him to beat you with the outside shot. You can't stop him going inside, and that's what he did. Now, this game, look, when you look at, at in totality, 33-11-4 is a very nice line. Chris Milton, 38-11-7 is better. And that's what happens when you have Middleton being the number two that so many people said he could not be. How many times have we heard Giannis needs a running mate? Giannis needs a number two. I picked up. Uh, an article this morning, Giannis needs Dame. And I'm going, needs Dame? Look, it would be great if Lillard came to Milwaukee, sure. Does he need Dame? He's two games, two wins away from the NBA Finals right now. Does he need Dame? He very well might win a championship this year. Does he need Dame? No, he doesn't. Not when Milton plays the way that he did now. Now, do I think that Dame is better than Milton? Sure, absolutely. But we've been waiting for years, for the number two to arrive with Giannis. All right, we need a number two. They need a number two. Giannis needs a running mate. He needs that guy. He needs him. He needs him. He needs him. Look like he had him tonight. And I'll tell you what, Chris Middleton, it looked like he had him for a lot of the playoffs. When push comes to shove and there's seconds left in the game, Chris Middleton's getting the ball and that'll tell you something about this team. And guess what? For as all you Chris Middleton bashers out there, these big games will happen, sure. He's got confidence in himself. He never wavered. He never said, I'm not the number two guy. And you never heard Giannis say, he's not the number two guy. Now, Milwaukee fans have said, you know, Middleton, he's got potential. Well, here it is, guys. This is when legacies are made in the playoffs. This is what the playoffs, this is when legacies can take you to the next level. This is when Chris Middleton becomes the number two that we all thought he would be. And in some cases, Giannis is the number two on a stat line like tonight. So Giannis is dominating inside. Middleton is a mid-range jumper on the outside. And you have everything working. 15 of 26 from the field. Of 12 from three point line. 
And by the way, Giannis tonight, 6 of 13 from three free throws. He is the worst free throw shooter that I can. And look, LeBron's bad at a big spot. But that I can remember since Shaq. Shaq. We're talking about the hack-a-shack mentality. The hack-a-shack mentality. It's going to be the hack-a-greek mentality at this point. 6 of 13 is bad. But it didn't take away from the win. And that's what they need to do. They need to understand what I think that they do, and that is we are a flawed team. We're a flawed team that is winning anyway. We're a flawed team that is just not as flawed as anybody else. And you Hawks fans that are going to tell me, well, you know what? You, we would have won had Trey Young been healthy. You, maybe. Maybe. But then the Laker fans are going to say, well, we would have been there if it was not for AD. And the Clippers fans are going to say, well, we would have won if it wasn't for Kawhi. Everybody's got a story. The, the Nets, right? Nets have plenty of stories. Everyone's got a story. Trey Young is fantastic. I'm not saying he's not. But Milwaukee is playing like a team. Milwaukee's playing the way that I thought that they would play. And Milwaukee right now is two wins away from what they've tried to accomplish for years. When everyone else is going out there and buying super teams, Toronto sat back. I'm sorry, uh, Milwaukee sat back. They watched Toronto win. They watched win after win from other teams in the East and passed them by. And they said, we're not changing it. We're not changing our mentality. We're going to keep driving on. We're going to keep this up. We're going to keep pressing on. We're going to stay with Giannis. We're going to stay with Middleton. These are our guys. We're going to win with this form. Whether you agree or disagree with them, don't you have to give them credit? Don't you have to give them credit for saying we're sticking with our formula and now they're doing the way? And to me, the series is over. Look, I had Milwaukee before the series anyway. And I know, look, you could say, well, it's anyone serious. I don't believe that Atlanta can win unless Trey Young goes for about 50. And I've said that continuously since before the series. Trey Young is banged up. He got an MRI. Looks like he's going to be all right. But you know what? 90% Trey Young isn't giving you 50 or 45. To give you 35. 35 is not enough. Maybe 35 tonight wasn't enough. He'll give you maybe even, you know, 37, 38. No, 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 no. you got to get over 40. you got to get close to 50. It's a one-man team. It's a really good one-man team. It's a one-man team. And that right there tells me that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to move on. And the Bucks are going to move on because the Bucks are a flawed team, and they realize they're flawed. All right, guys. Tim Unglesby has joined me. Tim, do you, do you agree with my assessment that Every championship team has flaws, although we all kind of want them to be just perfect. The Bucks knew they had flaws. Their number one player knows he has flaws, and they just say, don't worry about it. We're going to kind of move it around anyway, and we're going to win despite our flaws. We definitely knew they had flaws, Tommy. And I think that coming into the, the playoff situation was that everybody was hoping – that the Nets were going to be full strength so we could finally see that super team that we only saw play less than 10 games together during the regular season. And I think that with them, uh, again, the injury bug popping up on them and them having issues that Milwaukee needs to seize the day, right, Tom? This is a, a team that almost there, almost there. Well, now they have to finally have a chance to be there and be that team. 
and I agree with the assessment that Atlanta's put up a great fight so far in the first three games. Atlanta's put up a great playoffs. There's no doubt about that, but they're not supposed to be here, and it's too too early for them. And I know people are going to be like, what are you talking about? They won 41 games this year. Yeah, they did. They did. And this, the story goes back to the beginning of the year, right? Talking about a team that was damn near 10 games under 500. They bring Nate McMillan in, and all of a sudden he's the catalyst to this team winning the Southeast Division, albeit Miami was not Miami, right? So there's always caveats along the road. I just think when we look at these two teams, and that's the that's the exact same thing you said, teams. Milwaukee is a team. Atlanta is a one-man show. And, and that's kind of what you're going to get here. And, and I think the line is indicative when you look at the next game. Also, in Atlanta, Tom, it's a six-point line. So I think people are starting to see. And I know maybe the young injury has a little bit to do with the line being a little higher. But uh, I don't I don't know. I, th- I don't think Atlanta, maybe they get a game, another game. But really, it's Milwaukee's. It's Milwaukee's to lose, and I don't think they're going to do it. They're that close to finally getting back to the NBA Finals. Tim, to keep a little local flair here, it almost reminds me of the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Um, Atlanta stole game one, Vegas uh, won game one, right? And it was it took a, a good performance. After that, you go, yeah, you know what? Montreal dominated the, the entire series after that, and, and they won uh, four of the next five. I feel the same thing with Milwaukee. Look, Going into this series, we said it. Trey Young has to be otherworldly. Well, he was in game one, Tim. And forget about the injury. I just didn't see it happening multiple times, at least enough times to win this series. You know, you tell me, is Trey Young going to score near 50 points in four of the seven games? No, not at all. He's not going to do that. Trey Young is a fantastic player. I'm a fan. I've told you that. You know, since uh, he was coming up. I'm a fan. I think he's a great player. But he's not going to do otherworldly things night after night after night. And that's what they need. They have to have that. Six, six teams off, Tim. Six teams off. What did he put up tonight? 35? He had 35 going into the fourth when he got injured. Right. And, um... You know, our buddy Chris Wynn has said that they folded. Yeah, they did fold. They don't have – look, I love Trey Young, too. I think he's going to be amazing to watch. He's not at that point where he's the guy that's going to uh, single-handedly win you the game. I just don't see it right now because I haven't seen it. This is his first real test of playoff basketball, right? And, and again, I hate to, to beat down on the drum, Tom, but we, we talk always talk about veteran-laden teams that have been there before. Well, the Bucks have been there. You know, these guys have taken hard losses in the playoffs, and now they see a young upstart team trying to come in and squeeze their way through. When it's all said and done, you know, it didn't look. Middleton was ridiculous tonight, right? But had he not been, I still think Giannis would have been the bigger star at the end of the game. That's with young, healthy, right, Tom? It's just, it's usually the way it goes, and I, I just see. Uh, too much here, and what, if they get another game on them and it goes 3-1, talking about folding down the stretch, you can fold your hand because the Hawks are, are done at that point. Tim, is Middleton the number two? Has he established himself as the, I don't even want to call him the number two. Has he established himself as the running mate with Giannis for what Giannis needs? Oh, yeah. I, I Totally, 100%. I think he was the guy last year as well. You know, you look at Again, we talked last night about super teams and how it was uh, Boston brought in the big three, and we saw 
those trios happen. But now it's become more, I think, of a twosome with moving pieces around it. I like this twosome. And you saw tonight, look, they scored, what, 113 points? And the two of them between them put up 71. That's a, that's, that's a scoring duo. We look at the Hawks. Collins, is that, that's your second guy? Or, or, or my guy from Maryland, Kevin Huerta? It's easy. It's easy to, to look at the formula now, Tom. You know, and, and I want to address something that Chris Wynn said because he's right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Chris Wynn is not right here. I'm not going to bash Chris, but I'm going to. It took me a minute to kind of gather my thoughts here because he said, "Well, the Hawks folded. They were up six with five thirty to go." I, I didn't see them folding there. I, I thought Milwaukee. Kind of took the game over. Now you can say it was because Young wasn't in there, sure. But I thought Milwaukee kind of took the game over. Tim, when, when I look at this, the NBA nowadays, six point lead with five and a half to go is not real, <laughs> right? Now, I, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's a coin flip. It's two baskets. It's three possessions at that. You know, I don't think that the Hawks did fold tonight. What I think happened was they were looking for a leader, and their leader was out, and he just wasn't on. The on the court. That's what I think happened. I don't, I don't know if I would call the Hawks tonight. If you're an Atlanta fan, I don't think you're saying, you know what, we fold. I think you're going, you know what, ah, oh, man, we had him. If, if Young was healthy, we had a chance. I think that you're going to say that about the series. You know, oh, we almost had him. Man, oh, if Young would have had another game. Oh, man, if Young. I think it's the Hawks are that team. But they're close. They're close. They're just not Giannis. Middleton and the Bucks level. Tom, a six-point lead in the NBA can be gone in forty-five seconds. <laughs> it's <laughs> you, you Reggie Miller. Yes, exactly. Yeah, th- they scored seventeen points in the fourth quarter. I mean, it says it all. And, and the easy answer is, well, it was Trey Young. I get it. <laughs> You're not winning an NBA title with just Trey Young. We, we've that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. You may be able to win an NBA title with, with Giannis. You're not winning an NBA title with just Trey Young. I, I, am I wrong for saying that? Not at all. And I think that I think Atlanta knows that. You know, I mean, they're on a magical run here, but I think Atlanta knew, knew that going in. I, Trey Young was not an All Star, guys. He wasn't an All Star. Now, again, don't get me started with the All Star voting, right? Look at what's going on in baseball. But you know, Trey Young was not an All Star. Okay, I think they knew he's someone to build around, but we got to build it around him. They got lucky that it, it you know, not, not, they're not lucky enough to lose thing. They got lucky that it came a little bit early here. But I think the Atlanta organization knows, you know what, we're not done building. We got to give it to someone else. And it's almost you know, like, like you've seen uh, the teams that used to be built without buying. It looks like the Atlanta Hawks are that team. Hey, you know what, we'll, we'll get them somewhere else. Uh, this wasn't going to be the year. And suddenly, all of a sudden, it, this is the year, and they just don't have that guy. So we'll look at game number five, Tom, coming up four, excuse me, coming up on Tuesday. Back in Atlanta, Bucks six. I'm with you. I think I think I think maybe it's too low, and that's without even knowing Trey Young's status. Yeah, if Trey Young plays, he cannot be 100. percent Not only do the Atlanta Hawks need Trey Young at 100, percent they need him at 100% and playing at 100%, right? I mean, they need him absolutely fantastic. Now, he says he's playing, 
right? I mean, he came out, the MRI on the ankle came out perfectly fine. He said he'll, he'll get treatment, he'll get as much treatment as he can, and he will play. And I think he's going to give it a go. But, Tim, you know how ankles are. You might, if Trey Young is half a step off, they don't have a prayer in this game. Tomorrow we get an elimination game, Tom, a possible elimination game in the West. Phoenix at home, 3-1 lead over the Clippers. We've, it's already been announced, as you you said, he's not playing the rest of the playoffs, which I can see definitely, or at least not this series. Kawhi Leonard is a no-go tomorrow. Phoenix at home with a chance to move to the NBA Finals. I'm looking at a 5.5 at Circa. I was hoping to get something, you know, about 4 or so. I think the line is a little inflated, but you can't go against the Suns. Right, I mean, this is the Suns or nothing sort of mentality, and I think it's the Suns. They're at home, they're in their building, uh, they have, have their full complement of players back here and rolling. That place is going to be insane. I think that they, they go on to win. Could it be a struggle? Again, you look at a guy like Paul George, can, can you look at that star player that's had these crazy runs, right? And you go... Could Paul George make this uncomfortable? Could Paul George just kind of go crazy and make this uncomfortable? Yeah, he can, Tim. Hmm. He has a good game. I think he's, he's got a, had a very good series. But at the end of the day, the Suns are walking away, and they're going to close this thing out. There, there's no collapse here, Tommy, right? We saw the Clippers come back to win a series. Look, even if Leonard comes back, he's not 100%, and I just can't see Phoenix dropping three straight games, two of which would be on their home floor. Yeah, no, the Suns are going to the championship, and, and they are the prevailing favorites. They were a good favorite to win it all, and they will be favored. They'll be massively favored over the Hawks, and they will be a, a solid favorite over Milwaukee as well. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. When we come back, we'll stay with the NBA. I'm going to get Tom's thoughts on some of the newest NBA head coaches. And stay tuned in hour two, of course. Stanley Cup preview and a big, big segment on baseball as we look at who the possible MVP candidate. Well, we know who the candidates are. But, Tommy, I think I think uh, your answer for who your guy is going to be may be a surprise to people. We'll break that down in the second hour. But there are new names taking the helm of some NBA franchises. I'll get Tom's thoughts on that on the other side of the timeout. It's Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important. Don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Stay with the NBA here on Heatwave Sports every Saturday and Sunday night from 10 to midnight. And here we go with the programming note, except for next weekend. Guys, we're taking the holiday off. Tom, a big 4th of July planned in the Barton household. 
Actually, yeah, in-laws are coming over, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a good good Fourth of July festivities. How about now, you? Do you do, um, I'm actually gonna be on the uh, on the road again, Tom. I have some some work to take care of, so I'm I'm missing the Fourth of July in Las Vegas. I'm not too sure. I'm sad about that, though. If you know what I mean. I, you know, for, for me, Fourth of July is all about you know barbecue, uh, pool, kind of hanging out. I, I love Fourth of July. I think that you know, well, basically, July should be. We have we have everybody else gets a month. America should get a month for July. I, I've, I've said that for a long time. But one of the things I really do love to do, and I this, this will tell you the nerd in me. But look, I took. Uh, American history as my main objective when I went to college in Harvard, right? Um, I love to watch the John Adams series leading up to the 4th of July. I love to watch the Patriot. I love to, to you know, read a book or two leading up to it. I mean, I'm, I am a 4th of July fanatic, so I'm really pumped up about it. Does that include watching the hot dog eating contest on, on the 4th of July, Tom? I have never watched one live, Tim. <laughs> Ever. Does it doesn't mean I'm not entertained by it, but I have never watched one live. Oh, it's, it's disgusting, man. Come on. <laughs> I think for for me out here growing up in Vegas, um, <clears throat> look, everybody's got a firework show. You know, we got a big one out here. It's I don't know. I guess as a child and a teenager, and even into your early early adulthood, it's it's great times. But for me, it's just if it wasn't for my daughter, I wouldn't. <laughs> Tommy, I really wouldn't I, find a way not to be in town. I don't know if it's just the idiots out here that shoot off fireworks everywhere, or I'm not sure. Maybe it's the heat that gets to me. I, I don't know, Tom. It's just not a thing for me, man. And it has nothing to do with the meaning behind it. It's just people don't celebrate it that way. You know, it, it's actually kind of funny because I am not a fireworks person. We go to you know, Disney World a lot, as you know. Um, and they, we go to Disney World about three times a year. And they do the fireworks all the time. And my family loves it. It's like my sister's favorite thing. So each day we watch every ounce of fireworks. We've seen the fireworks at Epcot. You know, we used to go out to, um, when I lived in New York City, like actually in the city itself, we used to go out and watch it, you know, the big Macy's fireworks. And, uh, you know, Gotti used to do the, the biggest. I was around when Gotti did the greatest fireworks show all the time. Oh, it was fantastic. So I've had my share of fireworks. Listen, I've been in... The New Year's three times in Vegas when they do the fireworks at the top of the building. Fireworks just don't do it for me, man. <laughs> you know, they really don't. It's about just about everything else. This this afternoon, I was standing. This will give you an idea. Veering off course of sports here. I was standing outside in my yard. And I had some yard cleanup to do, so we had a big fire, and me and my son were kind of cleaning up from some of the trees or whatever. We're out there, and all of a sudden you hear boom, and the big M80s goes off. And he goes, what was that? I said, well, that's an M80. It's a firework. He goes, but it's not here. It's not colorful. I go, yeah, it's just loud. He's like, why? Why would someone do that? I said, yeah. You know what? I said, Tommy, you're, you're seven years old. I'm in my 40s. I still haven't understood it. So, yeah, I get your point with that. Especially when you have drunk idiots lighting off these fireworks. It's uh, illegal fireworks, by the way, Tom. They're, they're never the ones that... Um are supposedly safe. It's the ones that they acquire legally. And uh, that that's the one that causes problems. And I guess people can say I'm a party pooper and, and whatnot, but maybe I'm just being safe. How about that? Is that okay? Can I be safe? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I used to do, Tim, right? In New York, it's con constantly illegal. It's always been illegal to, to have fireworks. But 
uh, they used to advertise if you go to Pennsylvania, you could go to Pennsylvania, and they had two-for-one fireworks sales. So me, I was always, uh, you know, a little entrepreneur in me, and me and my buddy John, who had a big flatbed truck, you know, he had a big truck. Um, we would go to Pennsylvania. We'd make Pennsylvania runs. So we would go there. We would collect money from all the kids, you know, the 16, 17, 18-year-old kids that we went to high school with. We'd collect money from them all. We get everybody their orders because we had a little booklet and everything. But every order that we got, we got two for one. So we were able to get fireworks for, for us. Now we sold it for double. So it was, I mean, it was a good business for a couple of years there, Tim. Tom Barton Sports had a, had a firework business before he even got into sports handicapping, huh? Running fireworks. And I never understood, like, I, you know, this is the stupidity of just being a, a, a teenager. I never realized, like, yeah, this is, like, totally illegal. You know what I mean? Like, I knew it was, like, probably frowned upon, you know. I was like, eh, you know. It, no, no, no. It was, like, blatantly illegal. I, and and I, I realized when I got, you know, into my 20s, I uh, whoa, right? no, no, this was, this was stupid. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll stop that good business right now. July also is two things. It's Tom Martin's day of birth and coincides, actually, Tommy, with your one day off a year, man. So that's coming up as well. Yeah, well, I, it's funny because I used to say to everybody, people say, you know, do you have, do you have off at all? I, say, I got three days off. The day before the All-Star break, the All-Star game, and the day after the All-Star break. And then I started doing my football compiling for, uh, you know, right around the All-Star break. So I've cut out two of the days. Yeah, I get one day off, and that's it. And it is usually, Tim, it lands either on or right next to my birthday, which actually, is in the best of ways, just works out perfectly. Well, Tom, we know you're being truthful about it because um, literally I've had you call me from a hospital bed and ask me what the score of a game was because you had just gotten out of surgery. I mean, come on. It's crazy. The, 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 uh, we, we just <laughs> met new friends uh, a couple weekends ago, and somebody said to me, you know, oh, man, so you, you do this all the time. And Abby said, yeah, on our unedited wedding video, everybody has a wedding video, and you have an unedited version, right? On the unedited wedding video, before I gave the speech outside the church to kind of say, okay, you know, we're going in. Uh, I was, I was talking to a client and giving games, and I was trying to get inside that morning. <laughs> you know, and that's on the unedited wedding video. So you can imagine how happy my wife was about that. The, the wedding I went to. The wedding you were at, yeah. The problem was I didn't, we didn't make it to the church because Ron gave, gave me the wrong directions to, yeah, that one. But the after, said, the after party Ron was an said, unbelievable. Wait, you guys are already married? I said, yeah, Ron, this is the reception. <laughs> oh, I thought you get married at the reception. <laughs> Well, well, everybody listening, we, we hope you have a good fourth, and uh, I'll be I'll be in Anaheim, Tom. Actually, so I'm going to be able to see Angels O's. I'll see the fireworks yeah, show on the fireworks the there. Exactly, exactly. Let's take let's look at the real quickly. Let's look at these these NBA coaching changes. We'll start with the most recent one because it, it kind of ties into Dame Lillard, who we had talked about a couple weeks ago, and what his future was in Portland. So, the Trailblazers. Uh, move Stotts out, right, Tommy? Been one of the longest tenured coaches, besides another guy we're going to talk about in a second. But they move him out, the search is on, and it ends up Chauncey Billups will be the, the coach in Portland. And I don't know if Dame Miller likes that too much, Tommy. He's he's looking for a way out still. 
I think he was looking for a way out before Chelsea Bills came in. Um, you know, we talked about our conversation with, with what did we think of Phillips and what he was. Look, I'm fine with it. You know, I was, I was kind of encouraged. I think Chelsea Phillips is that kind of coach where he, okay, look, you know, he's going to walk into a locker room. He already has power. He already has respect. I think he's a, a good basketball mind from what I know. But I, I think he's going to be used as a scapegoat here, man. I think he's going to get a bad rap. I feel bad almost for the way that he walked in. Here's what I noticed about the contract, though, Tim. Five years. Yeah. So he's got the ability to fall, to fall on his face, to completely tank, and still be around. You know, you don't always have that in coaches. He walks in and Dame walks out the door. They're going to have a bad year this year, okay? C.J. McCollum's running the show, right? They're going to have a bad year this year. But... He's got a five-year contract. That doesn't mean he can't build them back and let them be bad and get a draft pick or make a deal. He's going to get something back for Lillard if Lillard does walk away. It's not like they're going to just leave him with nobody. So you give a, you give a guy like Chauncey Phillips a team of McCollum and a decent number two player, right? A, you know, a solid. I'm not even going to say decent. A solid number two player. A, a walker, maybe or Brown, or somebody, a decent number two guy. Well, all of a sudden, I think Phillips is going to say, all right, we're, we're, we're not totally tanking. We'll be bad, but we're not going to fall out of the playoff contention. We'll, we'll be right there. And then you get him a player or two, and he can build the thing back up. The five years, to me, that, that was, was good. I know a lot of these coaches, you know, they get big long deals, and it doesn't matter. I think the Blazers understand. We're giving them a five-year deal. And we're going to give up five years because we know the mess that we created, and it's not Chauncey Bills. I just hope that he doesn't become the fall guy. I hope he doesn't become the guy that it all comes down on his shoulders because he just doesn't have the talent. It looks like Portland did everything they could to make him happy, which, if you remember, Tom, Lillard originally said he wouldn't mind if Billups was the guy there, and now all of a sudden it changes. And this is after, like you said, they locked him up to a five-year deal. He was maybe grandstanding and, and thought maybe that Bill wasn't going to go there. And, and when it happens, eh, I'm still not happy about it. So I, I think with the longer contract, Portland may be just looking at it like, well, if he does, does leave us, Tom, we're, we're going to give Billups an opportunity to do what he can do. And instead of giving him a three-year deal, they give him the extra, the extra two on top of it. Here's a crazy thing. If Portland played in the East next year, and you're telling me, look, they're going to go get rid of Lillard, um, I think they're a playoff team, <laughs> right? And I'm not even being—I'm not even joking about it. They—they're they, a playoff team with CJ McCollum and the Paul that I think that they're going to get back. They have to get somebody back that's going to be a relevant player. But because they play in the West, him, if if Phillips is there and Lillard is is right next to him, he still might not make the playoffs. So because the West is so powerful, so that's something to think about as well. You got to. Look at this as, how is this guy walking into this? What is he walking into? A ridiculously stacked West? But, Tim, that's probably only for about a year or two more, right? And then the West gets a little bit a little bit thinner. He walks into a bad situation with Dame Lillard? Eh, that's only for a year or two, Tim, and then that's going to kind of clear itself up. He walks into bad situations here, but all of a sudden he goes, you know what, in three, four, five years, I might be okay. Potentially another bad situation could be the 
Dallas Mavericks, Tom, Rick Carlisle, resigns because of, uh, I, I will just say, shenanigans in the front office. And Mark Cuban's choice to replace him is Jason Kidd. Just, just, just absolutely horrendous decision. Horrendous decision. I get it because Jason Kidd has ties to Dallas and whatnot. Look, Mark Cuban has never been a good judge of character. We know from his politics, he's a bad judge of character. He might be a, a genius in some areas where he's writing code and stuff, right? But he's a bad judge of character, Tim. And now he brings in Jason Kidd, who is just a bad judge of character. Um, this goes off the court, guys. Jason Kidd is not a good guy. Can we just say that? Am I allowed to say that without us getting sued here? My opinion, Jason Kidd's a bad guy. And, and Mark Cuban just goes down the He's got Dallas size. Uh, He's a total retread. He's been a a jerk in every stop, uh, but he'll be different in Dallas. No, no, he's not. You're a bad judge of character, Mark. You've been a bad judge of character off of the court in numerous ways. We've seen that happen over and over. Look at the morons that this guy endorses. Uh, You know, look at the people that he lifts up in his company. Look at what just happened with the front office debacle. That just took place, right? So I can continue to go down the line and say Mark Cuban is hiring just bad character guys. And now, all of a sudden, you want to make Luca happy so you bring in this disaster? So now that's my off the court. Now let's talk about Jason Kidd on the court. And there's a reason he's out of basketball, right? There's a reason he's gotten handed how many jobs time and time again. And everyone gets real excited. Oh, Jason Kidd. Hey, remember that crossover? Remember Jason Kidd's play? Well, that's cool. What has he done on the coaching front? What has Jason Kidd done to make you think it's all going to change? And he's going to walk into a locker room with guys that do not speak the language, okay, or, or multiple languages, take all these guys together and say, okay, guys, we have a mix of different players from different countries that speak different languages and me. Jason Kidd is going to bring us all together. It's a ridiculous plot, isn't it? That's the guy, that's the player that you think is going to take the Europeans from all over, unhappy Luka, disaster Dallas, uh, you know, underachieving Porzingis. You're going to take all of that, wrap them in a big hug and say, don't worry, I'm Jason Kidd, I'm fixing this? Are we kidding, Tim? This is a horrendous hire, but I'm not shocked because Mark Cuban cannot cannot get out of his own way when it comes to just who he thinks is good people and he's got bad judge of character. As a head coach, Jason Kidd, seven games under 500 for his career, six games under in the playoffs. I, I just yeah, I, That's the guy, Tim. Yeah, I just there don't you know what, where he's coming with this. And, you, you know, when you look at off-the-court issues, and I know everybody will want to say, well, you can be rehabilitated. I, I get it, right, Tom? It's been 20 years he was arrested and pled guilty to a domestic abuse charge. And then 10 you years ago... You cannot be rehabilitated if you raise your hand to a woman. You cannot yeah, no. be rehabilitated if you raise your hand to a woman. End of story. I agree. I agree. I agree with that 100%. Oh, by the way, nine years ago, he also was intoxicated while driving. So, uh, I don't know. Can you be rehabilitated from that too, Tom? I mean, Maybe. that I think I, he can. I do. I, I really, I, I think, you know, we've... Uh, we have had, you know, that's a slip of judgment. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what? 
had one too many. It, I'm not. I'm not making excuses for it. Okay, it's not a smart thing to do either. Um, but it's more accepted, at least in my mind, that you have that one incident. You go to jail. You learn your lesson. Okay, it'll never happen again. Kind of thing. Um, you raise your hand to a woman. You're pure scum. You're just pure scum. You're. you're you are lower than scum. You cannot be rehabilitated if you raise your hand to a woman. Well, Indiana, in turn, hired Dallas's old coach, Rick Carlisle. He had, he was the coach in Indiana in the early 2000s. I like this one. I like this. You know, it's a, they're, they're a younger team. They're rebuilding, and, and they're bringing in a guy that players like Rick Carlisle. So, I mean, I thought this was a safe move for Indiana. You know, it, it was a safe move, but... An organization like Indiana, Tim, you know, are they should they be playing space moves? Why am I listening to the same names just being moved over? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, Jason Kidd, he's a coach again. Okay, but why? You just gave me his resume. He's under five hundred, right? I mean, this guy is he just hasn't been a head coach, but why? Because he was under five hundred. Rick Carlisle, we're just going to retread these guys. We're just going to mix them up and throw them back. Where's somebody with a fresh perspective? Where's somebody that's going to take a chance? Where is somebody that's going to go hire Becky Hamm? You know, the Indiana Bacers, that's a good job to take a chance and roll the dice because what you've been doing with retread hasn't been working for years. For years it hasn't been working. Where is the fresh perspective? Where are the fresh new faces in the basketball hiring behind the bench? No, it's just, oh, wait, wait, it didn't work out on that team? All right, cool, come to my team. Oh, it didn't work out there? Ah, that guy oh, wait, we'll, we'll, we'll take you back. Okay, we'll try it again. They're just revolving door coaches. Mm. Well, the one that kind of uh, really piques our interest, being Celtic fans, they moved on and decided that former San Antonio Spur assistant under Greg Popovich for seven years, current Nets assistant, well, current as of yesterday, the new coach in Boston, Ime Udoka, your thoughts on Brad Stevens' first hire as the team president? Yeah, I don't know enough about him, and I don't think anybody does. Um, you have to sort of trust Brad Stevens here, don't you? I mean, the, the guy doesn't have the extensive resume because everything that his resume says, aren't you kind of giving credit to the guy above him? Yeah. You know, and you can say that with some assistants, but some assistants sort of stand out. Um, but when you're, you're in the Popovich kind of tree, we'll say, you're not going to get any credit. Now, he might be a, a genius. He might be uh, amazing. But I don't think anybody, I don't even think he understands what he's going to be as a head coach, especially up in Boston. Um, so this is a you have to really sit back and just trust Brad Stevens here if you're a Celtics fan. And, for, and I guess learning under Pop for so long, you're going to retain things about basketball on the way you talk to the younger players. And I, I think... Brad, same read, right? You're looking at Brad Stevens, the same situation. Is you, you don't think Brad's just going to sit in an office and that's it. You know, he's going to be involved in some ways. And look, we talk about the duos, and they're there in Boston and Brown and Tatum. I'm, I'm really I'm really interested because I, I think I would have been okay with Billups there, but I like this one a little bit more just based on uh, what I've seen as far as a resume of where he's been. But you're right, until he actually does it, we don't know what we're going to get. Yeah, I, I like that he thought outside the box here, what I was just screaming for, right? I like that he went a different direction. But I didn't expect anything different from Brad Stevens, right? He went in a different direction. He said, I'm going to take my guy. I'm going to build this guy up. And I think it works for Boston. I just can't give you an honest assessment or an intelligent assessment 
Because I don't think anybody knows how he's going to be. It's a hope, it's a prayer, and it's trust Brad Stevens. What well, to to your point just a few minutes earlier is at least it's not a retread, right, Tom? Absolutely. They're, they're thinking outside the box. They're taking a chance. They're going to give this guy a, a shot, and I like that. I absolutely love it. I, I don't love the hire. I'm saying I love the thinking outside the box. Right. So that leaves three openings still, Washington, New Orleans, and Orlando. Of course, in New Orleans, you have the Zion factor. Washington, you, you inherit Westbrook. And then Orlando, a team that's in complete rebuild mode. It looks like Terry Stott's still the favorite in Orlando, which I think would be a good hire. But as Tom pointed out, would be a retread of a guy. But even in that situation, it's a change of scenery and a guy who's used to building and what about Becky Hammond? You mentioned her. Her name is still there in the running at both New Orleans and Washington. Will we see that happen, or will they go? I don't know what they're going to do here, actually. They, you know, these are teams that all need help. You know, I really hope so. Uh, but, you know, somebody said to us, and I don't want to, you know, throw somebody out, at, out there because I know it didn't come uh, as bad intentions, but they even kind of qualified it. Says, hey, you know, it's not a male shoulder thing, but I don't know if the NBA is ready for a head coach to kind of run the organization. And I hope, I hope that that's not the sentiment, right? I understand 100% where it's coming from. I hope it's not. I hope she does give a shot. Uh, look, I've always been the guy, and I've said this about my sports teams. I've said this about my businesses that I've owned. I've said this about everything in the walk of life. I don't care what sex you are, what color you are, what height you are, what weight you are. I don't care about anything if you produce. It doesn't matter to me. Just produce. Go out there and produce and do well. And, you know, give Becky a shot. Can she do worse than what we've seen out there? I mean, look, guys, there are some bad coaches in the NBA. Somebody get up and give her a shot. Somebody go out there, roll the dice, and, and go with it. You might be able to. Look, you're going to roll the dice, right? You're going to take a shot. You might hit the jackpot. You can't necessarily do worse. If you're, if you're looking for a coach this offseason, you're looking for a coach for a reason, Tim. You know, um, I see Orlando's looking at, at Penny Hardaway, right? You, you heard that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, that was... look, Penny Hardaway, that, that might be a good hire. I like the ties. I understand it. So, you know, you go, okay, I can understand these things. But you, you're taking a shot just as much as, as a Becky Hammond here. Somebody go out there in the NBA. Somebody have the guts to take a shot. At somebody that probably deserves a job. Our buddy Chris Wynn, who did radio and TV in Orlando, Tommy, he, he thinks that Becky Hammond is that's the, really the only shot for her would be the Orlando job. And and you said it; it's it's a situation where it doesn't hurt her to take that job. But now that Penny's name popped up today in the running, I think if he wants it, that's the job. I think that's that job is his. And because of the past ties and the popularity there in Orlando. Um, New Orleans, I don't think that's the right dynamic for, for Becky Hammond with Zion being there. And Washington, I, I wouldn't think that that would be a good situation either for her because you have a player in Russell Westbrook who is just a complete um, egotistical maniac, and that, I wouldn't put her in that position either. Well, before uh, we, we kind of take a break here, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the NBA season ended and the, the firings came. And I said, Orlando is the job for Becky Hammond. Orlando was the place. Orlando should be in. Let's go Orlando. 
Tim, I heard Benny Hardaway's name today. I said, well, that's out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's over, right? I mean, you can't even you can't even float Penny Hardaway's name and then go to Becky Hammond. Because that'll seem like uh, a downgrade just because of the publicity of they love Penny Hardaway. Penny would have to come out in the media and say, I'm staying in Memphis. I don't want the job. That's, that's the only thing he, and, and he would And he would have to say he's staying there for a while. Yeah. Right? He would have to say, you know, I'm, I have my contract. I'm going to live out my five-year contract, four-year contract, whatever it is. So people can't say, ah, you know what, just hire somebody for a year and kind of lure them over because that's going to be the prevailing foot. They want Penny Hardaway bad. They think that the guy is Orlando. They remember him as being Mr. Orlando, right? Uh, little Penny will be on the sidelines with him. I mean, it's a perfect situation if he wants it. Oh, it's a marketing dream for the Magic, no doubt about it. If I'm the University of Memphis or Memphis University, I'm uh, locking him up as best soon as I can. I mean, you know, since he since he went there, Tom, he's done what I would call a, a very very good job with that program. If I were them, give him what he wants to stay, uh, because if you know you're not going to be able to outbid Orlando per se, but maybe show him a little love and appreciate what he done what he's done. Maybe maybe Penny doesn't want to deal with all that. I don't know. I really haven't uh, heard. Obviously, we need him to speak on it, but his name popping up, he's definitely the strong favorite. Well, I'll say this, though. Uh, with the new NCAA rules that came down, and we, we actually just had Jeremy Evans on this morning on the SGN Network, um, with the new NCAA rules where you're allowed to compensate and there's different recruiting and stuff, the prevailing thought is a lot of coaches are going to be bolting college for pros because the recruiting situation, especially for lower colleges like a Memphis, like a mid-major, is going to be almost impossible to compete with the big boys. Oh, you mean the NCAA is doing something ridiculous again? <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to close the books on hour number one. When we come back for hour number two here on a Super Sunday night, we're going to start off with some Major League Baseball. Uh, Tom, we'll do some MVP talk first. I don't know if you want to touch on the All-Star game. I think we, we should probably just talk on the fiasco that we talk about every year in the voting process to decide who gets to go to the All-Star game. We'll talk about that. And, yeah, we'll throw some, some Stanley Cup talk in there as game one is tomorrow night.